Hey everybody, it's Kenzie here. Thank you all so much for listening to our show. We are very excited to announce a little update. Our first pieces of merch! If you head over to our website, QueerPG.com, you can check out all our new stuff. We have QueerPG logo stickers and pins, and something fun for season one. We have Wild More High Wyverns notebooks. They come in three different designs, so head over there to check it out. We are selling these through Society6, so if you go to our website, under the shop tab, you'll see the notebook. Clicking on it will redirect you so that you can purchase. Again, thank you guys so much for your support, and enjoy the episode. Hey everybody, my name is Kenzie Tartaglioni. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm your master of ceremonies. Hey, I'm Brennan Hershock. I go by he, him pronouns, and I play Sawyer Hook, the mortal. I'm April Consolo. My pronouns are she, her, and I play Ivy Duncan, a vampire. Hey there, I'm Mads McDonough. I use he, him pronouns, and I play Caleb Moore, the werewolf. And welcome to Wildmoor High. For this episode includes addiction, physical violence, abstract mention of an eating disorder, implied child death, and non-graphic descriptions of dead bodies. Ivy, the night after, or the same night of, family secrets imploding and seeing the heart of Wildmore for the first time, you walk all the way back to Wildmore with Kai by your side, all the way to Black Blackthorn Manor, and I think as you go to open the front door, your hand kind of stills apprehensive about what you'd find inside. And whatever Kai was meant to do, wherever she was going to be hanging out, there's probably a little bit of a hope that night that she would do it from a distance. It felt like the conversation you were having with your dads was just going around in circles for hours. You desperate for the truth, Bast flipping back and forth between saying it was him and saying it wasn't. Your stoic father, for the one of the first times you've ever seen him like this, unnerved. Gabriel unable to bridge any obvious gap in communication that was happening. The state of both of your fathers in that moment was jarring. They had never presented to you anything other than confidence, but that was really hard to care about when everything else was kind of crumbling around you. You guys are in the uh, sitting room and Bast is standing up pacing and at one point Gabriel reaches out and he says, Mi amor, please calm down. And Bast turns around and just snaps and says, Drop the affectation, Gabriel. I'm about sick of it. And there's a sharp intake of breath from Gabriel. And he says, Excuse me? There's a tone of offense in his voice. His eyes dart between you and Bast, and he continues saying, I think it may be a little too late for that. And Bast returns, In this house then? Drop it. And Gabriel says, Bimbolina, please don't be upset with me. This wasn't a lie. It was a long ago joke that was taken too far. 
and the thick Italian accent that your dad had disappears into a mishmash of accents that can't be placed. Ivy has gone through so many emotions over the course of this fight, this discussion. At one point, she broke down in tears, but those have long since run dry. And this revelation this betrayal, even though it isn't that consequential, is enough to just rock her back. Because ever since she was born, the lilting tone of her dad calling her home into the house, on the phone, ringing up into her bedroom, even that is a lie. Why would I be angry? just fits with everything else I've been finding out about you guys. I promise that I did. That was once how I sounded, but I've lived in so many places and I've lived here for over 200 years now. It was a joke that best, a dare that we made with friends at the beginning of this all and it was so funny to keep it going and then it felt more natural to me anyway that it was easy to keep. Ivy looks between her father looks at her tall, confident, strong father who is now riddled with anxiety and irritation. Bast was always the patient one, always the one whose hands would bandage her skinned knees with precision, the one whose face she could look to and feel like she didn't have to cry. She looks at Gabriel, who always made her laugh and filled her with lightness, and how even his posture seems to change with this revelation. He looks so much older, and looking between the two of them, each of them having lived through many millennia against her 15, almost 16 years. And she feels so small. But then again, I feel like so powerful and angry and new. So was any of this true? The way that you raised me, the, the secrecy that I had to live with, the, the shame of it all. Did you do it, Dad? Gabriel and Bass look at one another and you can see that they're saying something just people who've known each other for so long talking without speaking. And Gabriel says, there is so much about it that, and Bass cuts him off and says, yes. Even when she heard it from Adam, it didn't hit her the way that this hits her, but she manages to keep her face still. And why? <laughs> I'm gonna start with something that, that doesn't sound like a direct answer, but I will get to the direct answer. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Ivy, you are... As far as I and Gabriel and any of our old, old friends aware, the only one of your kind. And there are people that cannot know that you exist. And so the secrecies, what we taught you, we made sure that you didn't tell anybody, was not because we were scared about what this town would do to you. They are nothing. We could have stopped them if we needed to. But there are things more powerful and out of our control that if they found out that we had... Ivy supplies the only word she can think of for herself. A monster. Gabriel looks like he's about to cry as soon as that word leaves your mouth, and he says, no, no, that's not what we mean. And Bess says something that they don't understand. You are not a monster. You are not a danger any more than any other teenager is a danger to themselves or to their friends. You are not. But we have noticed and we have tried to help you have been having problems with control. I've been fine. I've never needed as much blood as you guys, you know that. Yes, but that doesn't change how you starve yourself of the thing that you need. But what if I- Ivy realizes that she's never said this out loud. But what if I didn't need it? 
like eventually what if what if i could just you know as i get older if i practice and work really hard maybe i wouldn't need to be like that gabriel's head is hanging and you can see that he's shaking it and he says i don't have we don't have those answers for you because no one like you has ever existed again as far as we know but what type of life is that Pembalina? don't call me that if it's fake it's fake you don't need to keep pretending in front of me and i'm only half you only half i have this whole other half of me that maybe i could choose that instead and i could be not a monster i could be safe for my friends i could just grow and get old and be normal and i wouldn't have to need to hurt people don't you hate that you can't exist without hurting people and i you've had thousands of years to practice control and you're still killing people kids you killed a kid and this brings me back to my point about control i have for years had impeccable control that's why i don't feel like i killed him i understand that I did it, but I was not in control because I have been losing myself. Ivy gets a flash of Adam the way that he was tonight. Do you know why? Well, I would like to say that it started when Sarah fled, when the barrier began to break. Except that would just be another lie. It got worse when the barrier began to break. But ever since we came here, since we built this place, I have had moments stripped from me that have resulted in lives being stripped from other people. Not a lot, but that doesn't really matter. It happened. That's never gonna happen with me. It's not. She looks between them, the way they're looking at her, just so sad. We're not saying that it's going to happen to you. It hasn't happened to me. And you can see that he starts to say the nickname for you and stops himself. And then he says, that's not a lie. Ivy, the fact that I still had that accent might have been, but the language is my home. Yeah, well, I probably outgrew it anyway. So you killed Ryan. What am I supposed to do with that? He was, I mean, we weren't like close, but we, I mean, I saw him every day. He's my classmate. Am I just supposed to walk around knowing that and it's how do i know it's not gonna happen again you don't because i don't but this is my concern about you is that you never ever before high school before maybe junior high ever had any misgivings about what you were and i've seen your hunger and i don't think he looks at gabriel and gabriel says we don't think you're going to lose control like him but we do think it's affecting you, the wall being down. Ivy swallows hard, and she feels this like hot rush of blood through her body, her human blood. It feels out of place to have her face blushing so hard, and her fangs digging into her tongue. That's her life. But the growl that comes out of her throat is not human, and she says, You have no idea what's going on with me. And that's fine. You obviously have your own shit to be dealing with. So let me deal with mine. 
We can't do that, Ivy. You can hate us as much as you want. Neither of us will ever claim that we did everything right or anything right for that matter, but that doesn't make me or Gabriel care for you any less, and I am not about to let you do what you wish. If the consequences of that is the people we've been trying to hide you from finding you. Ivy's stomach is just this roiling hot like storm of shame. She hates that she's yelling at her dads, and she knows that they love her, but she can't stop herself. For a second, she wonders if Bast isn't right, that it is affecting her. You say that you care about me, but you've been lying to me my entire life. My entire life! And now you're literally killing my friends. I am safe. I'm under control. I know what my limits are. There's important shit happening, and I can't- I can't be- can't be dealing with this, too. You have asked us for space with this for a while, and we've given it to you with warning. And now you're saying that we don't know what is going on and never do. So I think that means it's about time that we took a more active role. What does that mean? Gonna ground me? I don't think we could ground you if we tried. I don't think there's a lot of things that we could do. I don't really believe in that anyways. So what that means, even if you don't believe us because we haven't given you any reason to, is that we start never telling a lie in this household ever again. It means that whatever it is that you think is going on right now, that you're really worried about to the point where you feel like this doesn't matter, you tell us so that we can help. Because this does matter. How much worse would it have been if you had been in my place? I have to deal with the fact that I killed a young, innocent kid who had a life ahead of him. I have to look his family in the eyes every day of living in this town, knowing what I did, but not being able to tell them what happened to their son. I have to tell lie after lie to the authorities, the FBI that has moved into town to figure out what happened to him. No one finds answers for this, and I have to live with that, as I have done it before, and it's crushing. I am not unfeeling about it. I have simply lived too many lives to make this thing my end. Ivy just looks down at her hands, so no lying. I promise, whether you can take my word for it or not, no lying. Ivy wants to tell her dads so bad. I'm just, I'm just thinking about Sarah. I just think like that's, it's the most important thing. We have to find her and get this all under control again. If we find her, then I think that would make the barrier go back up, which may give us more time to figure out. He glances at Bast. This problem. Who are you so afraid of finding me? I mean, we have so many friends. All my aunts and uncles and cousins, they all know, don't they? They do, but this is so hard to explain because you weren't there at the beginning, and it's so outdated to the concept of our times now, but there were so few of us vampires at the start that we banded together, we all became friends, and then it started growing, and there were rules and laws, and if you broke the law, there wasn't really a chance for... You didn't get second chances, and as we spread smaller groups started popping up and becoming their own. At the time, they were called families, right? And he kind of looks at Bast, and Bast says, we thought of ourselves as families to begin, but it has long ago changed, and it's probably impossible now, but at that time, every vampire who existed, if, if you made another one, if 
you found another one. The rules were that they joined a coterie, and these coteries were run by, if you can believe it, vampires older than me, vampires who are still older than me, and there's something that comes with age in this form, power that can be wielded, that we stand no chance against. And it had always been thought dangerous for a child to be turned. There was a time, a dark time, in which one of us lost their way and rampaged through London, turning children left and right, young enough that they had no idea what was happening to them, young enough that there was no way to control their hunger. They killed their own families without knowing what they were doing, and he was eventually stopped in all of those children as well, and it was made law for us that offspring were not allowed. And so, when you were being born and we took the drastic measures needed, it was a moment's decision and we had no idea what to expect from you. But you started growing and you were different than any of that because you weren't fully vampiric. But that doesn't change that we still felt the need to keep you a secret because we don't think that they would let you be. Ivy sits very still. I understand now. But eventually, like, we can just tell them I'm a vampire, right? Like, this isn't gonna be my whole life. I don't know. You have just said that you may not want to live like this, and while I don't think that's actually gonna be a possibility for you, I don't know if it would be smart to ever let them know. But that doesn't mean you can't live your life, it just means that you probably would need to live it amongst humans rather than vampires, which you do today already mostly. Or we could and Bass says, I don't think that I'm willing to take that chance of announcing you and it turning not in our favor. So you don't think I can live my life as either? We broke ties, well, not fully, of course, but we haven't spoken with our coterie in hundreds of years. Our friends that you know, Eleanor, especially Eleanor, hates the idea of coteries. They're old and past the point of needing to be disbanded, but they are run by some people that you can't really say that to, or who would listen to you without beheading you. So it's not that you can't live amongst- you live amongst both right now, Ivy. You live with us and you live with the people that we have over and you live with the humans in Wildmore. I- I don't have a clear answer for you. Ivy wants to just fight for the sake of fighting, but something about hearing your parents say that they don't have any answers for you is the anger kind of drains out of her. She says, that's, yeah, okay. So can I like, go to bed now? Or? If you don't have any more questions, yes. Okay. And then she just kind of walks out. She heads into her bedroom and without turning the light on, just glances out her window. You see... A figure leaned up against the shed in the backyard. The figure's in the dark, but you can kind of tell by the shadow that their arms are crossed, and by the tilt of their head that they seem to be looking up into your window. Ivy gives a tiny wave, and then closes her curtain, throws herself on her bed, and tries to cry, but nothing comes out. I don't think that Ivy would initiate this. I think Sori would try to just fucking do it as quickly as he could after the Caleb conversation. Probably text in like the middle of the night. Uh, 
after that that creek experience. Yeah, I just think that the stress would be eating him alive. The first time I text her is like 10 p.m. on that Monday. I'm in my room. I'm probably under probably two sets of covers because I'm so cold from the stress and anxiety. I'm sweating though. My hands are clammy. I'll type thumbs shaking. The dreaded can we talk. Probably 60 seconds go by before you get like tonight. Ivy is listening to music in her room. She gets the notification for Sawyer's text, reads it. She doesn't say anything. Do you have a reads on? Yeah. <laughs> Sawyer is going to throw off the covers and walk over to his axolotl tank and bend down and get eye to eye with the axolotl. Well, I guess I gotta do it. And he will put on some sneakers head down to the garage very sneakily. I'm assuming that the parents are asleep by 10. There's no way that parents are up past 8, 8.30. And I will get on my bike and start riding to Ivy's house. And I'll put my phone on silent on the way. Ivy is like looking at the texts from Sawyer and she thinks about texting him, shuts her phone off, opens them back up, and then just ignores it. And she turns on her little like aromatherapy thing with like the the sleepy time mix of like lavender and rose and she flops on the bed and she just goes everything is okay it's not it's not please ivy just calm the fuck down you definitely get a text still like starfish on the bed she just like grabs her phone holds it in front of her face i probably put my bike near the gate and then walked up more just kind of made a circle around the house uh towards the back outside her window so if she opened it she would be able to see me and i'm just on my phone i don't want to like throw a stone at your window because everyone in your entire house will hear it but um i'm outside this shadow that kind of like overcomes you. I'll slowly look up. Hey Sawyer, and it is the visage of Kai. Hi. Uh and so look just in every direction. You are here. Yeah, you're here. Yeah, it's more weird that you're here. Why are you here? I was told to be here, and Ivy knows I'm here. That's just making it weird. You're you're this is compound weird now. I told her from the beginning that this was a really weird situation, so yeah, I'm understanding of the weird. Okay. Well, I'm here on a mission. Yeah, it looks like it. To do what exactly? Just have a little talk. A little talky-talk. A little one-on-one. <clears throat> just me and Ivy. Two people. Just us. She kind of, like, peers over the top of your phone that has, like, faded to dark and, like, turned off at this point so she can't see anything she texts you back she want to talk to you yeah we're best friends okay are you gonna like beat me up what is happening why would i beat you up i don't know i don't know I but met yeah. you like three nights ago i don't know but this is like man this is a big wrench in the plan now me being here i guess i just i have this script that i'm kind of losing now i had a script in my head no oh, all right well uh one sec ivy you hear a uh stone hit your window. No! Ivy had read the text from Sawyer and just was freaking out, trying to get dressed. When she hears the rock hit her window, she flies across the room and throws the window up. She says, Sawyer, you said you weren't going to throw a rock. Sawyer's got his hands out. It wasn't me. It was Kai. Yeah, sorry, it was me. He's just getting really pretty fucking annoying, so. Yeah, he does that. (sighs) How long have you been here? Me? Me? Her? Yeah. Not me? Me. You. Like an hour. Right. 
Sawyer, why are you here? Now, look at Kai. <laughs> you guys can chat. I will just go back. I just was really fucking annoyed of hearing you just keep blabbering on, so... You came up to me! Have fun, friends! And she, like, peace signs out and just walks back to where, Ivy, you've seen her before, like, by the shed in the backyard. She just stays in the shed? Honestly, I don't really know. Ivy, like, pops out the... Window screen, climbs onto the roof, walks around with just the utmost confidence, like she's just walking on the street. Hey, so you want to come up here? Uh, yep. They're like, Should I, can I take the stairs inside? No, I don't, I don't think so. All right, well, let's find a way up this. I think you can use that, that tree over there. Sawyer's like hugging onto one of the columns, like trying to shimmy up, shimmy down, walk over. Right, yeah, I've... I climb trees all the time. Cracks his knuckles. Just a running start. And I will run at the tree and attempt to climb this tree. I will jump at the tree and have one foot land in it and thinking it's going to accelerate me and push me up, it'll just scrape the bark and I'll fall forward on the side of the tree without hitting my head or anything. <sighs> Do you think it'd be easier if you just came down here? Ivy just raises one eyebrow. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. Nope. I can... I'm gonna climb a tree. Yeah? Uh-huh. And Sawyer's going to... This time, he's gonna attempt to just go small branch by small branch and slowly, probably it takes five or six minutes to get up this tree and caterpillars his way across this thick, long branch until he can hop over past the gutter and onto the rooftop. When he lands, profusely sweating. Okay. Yeah. Can we sit down? Uh, sure. Yeah. Ivy sits, like, right on the edge of the roof with, like, her legs dangling. Sawyer will sit on the roof, but with his knees up towards his chest and a little bit behind you. <laughs> so, you saw my text? Uh, yes, I did. Am I... Do you not want me here? Ivy kind of looks up at the sky. It's not about that. It's not, it's not about whether I want you here or not. It's about what's best for you, you know? I love you, bud. D, pal. Mm. No, hold on. I love you. I love you, pal, bud. <sighs> hold on. Mm -hmm. Ivy, dude, I fucking love you, dude. Okay? And I was recently told that the way that I thought about everything was kind of wrong. I just thought that was a given, you know? And I didn't know that that was something that I should be saying. Because I was like, you know, of course, right? But I do love you. When Sawyer had his first outburst, Ivy turned to look at him. Just watched this whole thing happen with a very still expression. But all at once, you just see her start to cry. Uh, I'm sorry? No, no, don't. <laughs> you don't have to say sorry. Really? Yeah, you're like my best friend in the whole world. And I just kind of thought that that was how we did things. Like, you know, like we're kind of assholes to each other. And I don't know, like... We're mean to each other, but in like a way that is good, that like matters. On my end, I didn't think that any of that was like real. I didn't... Sometimes I'm really mad at you. I deserve that. I've been not my best recently. It's more... I get mad, Ivy, because you're like... You're like so much of everything that I want to be. And it's like, I don't want to be mad at that because you're just you and... But doesn't mean I'm not... I don't like... I, I, I sometimes get confused about that. Ah. Why would you want to be anything like me? I'm dangerous. I'm dramatic. I'm 
out of control all the time and I can't, I hurt everyone around me. My parents and you and Caleb and Adam and Natalie, every- Me? When did you hurt me? I saw the way you looked at me after- Ivy, yeah, I mean, I was pretty fucking terrified. Like, we're in a fucking cave, a magic cave, what the fuck, with like crazy sludge demon magic and shit. But the worst, like, part of that whole thing is I'm fucking scared because the two people, the two people that I give a fuck about most are gonna fucking kill each other and I'm gonna lose both of them and then I'm gonna be fucking alone and have nothing. And so it's like, what else do I do besides stand in the way of a fucking claw or throw a rock at your head? Because you guys both promised you wouldn't kill or hurt me. And I believe you, but I don't know what, I don't understand you guys and I won't. And that's fine, but I don't know what would happen if I don't, if I'm not doing my job. I don't think I would ever hurt you, but I didn't think I would ever hurt Caleb either. And I'm not safe for you. It's not safe for you to be around me anymore. We're not, we're not kids. We have to like think about this in the span of our whole lives. Like I am this monster and you're just, you're a human. You have so much life. I have to always hide who I am and, and stay away from the people I love because if I get too close to them, then I, I'll ruin it. I always ruin it. Sorry, sits there. For a second. Well, then why am I here? You didn't ruin anything with me, and I trust you. What could you do to me? I'm not thinking about this like a kid. And and this is, see, it makes me mad sometimes. And like when you say things like like you can never be yourself, dude, you live like so much more than me. I don't know if you know that. I don't fucking do anything. And that's why it's like the best to be around you, cause like I'm I'm actually. I'm not just this human, normal, whatever. And it's not because you're or Caleb are fucking monsters. It's because you're fucking awesome. And you're like super spontaneous and you all, but, but at the same time, you like always look out for your friends. And even if, I don't know, like I said, you're like what I want to be. You're what I want to be. You're so loyal. I push everyone away all the time. You're so steady and funny and everyone that's around you is always so happy to be around you you make them feel comfortable i i get to be myself when i'm around you like like for real ivy not like ivy the vampire or ivy the cheerleader or i just ivy see even this right here you're showing like i can't even i couldn't i can't even articulate like that i i don't know even how to do that and it's like like that's one of the bajillion reasons why i love you bud sawyer's smiling idiot dumbass i love you too i really do and i'm i'm sorry that i've been ignoring you i just really thought you were better off without me kind of think everyone's better off without me so well hey can i sleep over tonight maybe we could do it we could like i don't know just hang out yeah totally um is kai gonna just be watching um you know i haven't really figured that out yet yeah like what the fuck is up with all that yeah she's kind of she's like watching over me in like a protective way um that's my i'm doing that too shut up kai peeks around the side of the shed as you yell that into the yard says oh that's really interesting that you're doing that too. You've lit, you just standing behind a shed and lit. Oh God, it's so, it's 
weird. Not that you, by the way, not that you need the protection or anything, but like, you know. Yeah, I mean, I could like throw you off this roof and kill you in like one second if I wanted to. I would love that not to happen. Just gonna throw that out there. Me too. Me too. Cool. Hey, Kai, um, are you, are you gonna be here tomorrow? Or... We'll see. Okay, let, let me know. This night turned out not the way I expected it to. How did you expect it to? Yeah, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Ask that. I'll see you later. And she, like, kind of, like, disappears behind the shed. Wait, wait, wait. Get her back. Get her back. Ask her again. Sawyer, I don't think you want to know the answer to that. No, I do. I absolutely fucking love the tea. Okay, well, I have a lot to tell you. Yeah, well, let's go inside because I'm fucking cold. About a week after... Week and a half after all the drama with your families went down, school day, and you are being shaken awake in your bed, and you hear, All right, up and at him, Caleb, let's go. Uh, what, what time is what time is it? What, what? I try and bat the hand away from me. You can see just like the dark outline of your father in the room in which he is not found it necessary to turn on any lights. What are you doing? What time is it? It's early. Come on, we're going. Where are we going? Where... I gotta show you some stuff. Where... Why? Are you... What? Get dressed. Let's go. I uh... get up. Alright, get dressed. I'll meet you downstairs. Just half asleep, like, nod, like, sitting upright in my bed, but my eyes are, like, crunched shut. Five minutes. Okay. Whenever he leaves the room, I, like, take, like, a really deep breath and then just, like, hold my hands over my face and, like, scrub them a couple times up and down my cheeks. Get up out of bed, find some pants, put on a t-shirt, grab my hoodie, put socks on, wrong pair of socks, put a different pair of socks on. Uh, feel around for my phone, grab my phone, feel around for my wallet, maybe? I don't know, I can't remember where I put it last night, I just have my phone. I go downstairs. As you're going down the stairs, you see that uh, the light from the kitchen is on, and so it lights up the stairwell as you go down, but it seems to be the only light in the house that is on currently. And your father's standing in the kitchen waiting for you, and as you come down the stairs, he looks at your feet, and he's like, I got different shoes for you in the garage. Come on. Why do I need different shoes? Because we're going out, okay? Come on. Can I have breakfast? No, get it when we come back. I grab a piece of bread, not even a piece of toast, just straight up a piece of bread out of the bag that's on the counter. I just shove it in my mouth like half asleep and like uh, follow him out. Not a morning person. You follow him outside the back door and over to the unattached garage. He slides the door up and pulls the chain light and the dim yellow glow isn't really strong enough to shed light into all the dark corners. But he goes to a shelf and grabs a pair of rubber boots and throws them at you. And you can see that he's also wearing rubber boots and and he hops onto the golf cart that's in the garage and pats the seat next to him. He looks at you and he says, Come on, I heard what you said. You're right. We didn't prepare you like we should have, and I can't fix that, but I can at least make sure you're kept in the loop from now on. I almost say out loud, and now is when you want to do it, but my brain-to-mouth filter hasn't turned on enough. There's also a piece of bread there right now, and if I open my mouth, the bread's going to fall on the ground, and I want the bread more. So I just go, mm, pull the shoes on, get on the golf cart. You often woke up, even when you were quite young, to your dad and Adam coming back 
from some early morning excursion that they never ask you to go with them on. It kind of feels like maybe it's the first time. But your dad drives you through the property, passing the house that your Aunt Sarah once lived in, driving out and out, riding alongside the woods toward the marshes. And before you get there, a fetid stench hits your nose. And your dad pulls the cart to a halt and hands you a flashlight. The sky is just beginning to lighten, but it's still not bright enough to see clearly. And he flicks on the flashlight. You can kind of hear his boots squishing into the less than hard earth. The grass right here is tall, but you're just at the edge of the marshes, so it's not as tall as it climbs in other places. And your dad walks a few paces away and squats down, flashlight aimed at the ground. And at first you think you're just seeing mud, but then no, it's the same black sludge that was corrupting the heart and the same sludge that Adam had mentioned seeing out here before. Yeah, uh, this is the problem. And as your dad kind of lifts the flashlight up and across the high grass and plants, you see that there's a state of unnatural decay about the land. And not even I can fix this because I've tried. What did you try doing? He puts his hand out and it hovers over the ground and he closes his eyes and he takes a deep breath. And you haven't seen your dad do this a lot, but you've seen it every now and again. And you see like a shimmering of gold and green as your dad's green thumb comes to life in front of your eyes. But it's almost suffocated out like snuffing out a candle when it nears part of this black substance. And he opens his eyes again and he says, I can't even touch it. How long has it been here? He presses his hands into his thighs as he stands up and he says, well, I don't know how long it's been here exactly, but I found it here uh, almost like when you started going back to school. Has it gotten worse? It's gotten worse and I think it's spreading, but it is only spreading, at least as far as I've figured out, it's spreading quicker through water and hasn't yet found a way to spread onto the dry land yet. But unfortunately, I uh, also found it in the lake. And uh, so far, I've told the police that I don't know what it is, but that right now, no one should be allowed to swim there. So they have it barricaded off somehow. Dad, how, how long have you known that Aunt Sarah's been missing? Well, she left Wildmore a little over two years ago. Uh, missing, though? A year. I knew she left when she left. I just thought she'd be coming back, because... We're Moors. This is where we've always been. I thought it was weird when I didn't get a birthday card from her this year, but it's kind of a lot going on. I wasn't thinking about it as much, I guess. I cross my arms over my chest, kind of tuck my head down a little bit, and I'm halfway staring at this muck and also just kind of letting my eyes unfocus and drift for a minute. Are you aware of what's been going on with Adam? Like, he's he's been different since... And I almost try to make like a gesture still with my arms crossed to myself using my chin. The other night though, when we went to see what was going on, this stuff, it's in him. What do you mean it's in him? Caleb kind of like squeezes his eyes shut and runs a hand up through his hair. I don't, I don't know. He got really weird. He started like talking about stuff and he's just been weird, but it started to get creepy. And I looked at him and there was like another voice that was with him. And then he had like this, the, this stuff, it was like all over him. And then it wasn't, but it was, I don't know. It's like he's infected with it or something. And he said that he's been using other means to try and 
not let it take over. When you asked the question, I had thought maybe you had meant, did we know that he had started using drugs? And that became clear a couple weeks ago. The rest of it, though, uh, did not know, and I don't. He takes a few steps away from the uh, marshland and says, I don't... The sludge is in him? I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I just, okay, just don't, don't look at me like I'm crazy. Please, I know that this sounds no, really crazy. No, I'm not crazy. looking at you like you're crazy. I'm looking at this entire situation like it's crazy because that's all I felt like for the past couple months. We're all kind of on edge. When Sarah was younger and she was just getting this, this time now I uncross my arms and gesture frantically to myself this stuff when she was still getting used to it and trying to figure it out did she ever talk about like like i just feel things and i smell things and i see things and i can hear things and it makes me feel like i'm crazy it makes me feel like i'm losing my mind i know that you guys have told me my whole life that this is like some special gift but like it, it wasn't supposed to be mine so i'm not really okay uh caleb it is supposed to be yours that's why you have it no, it's not. We misguidedly thought it would be Adam because he was the firstborn, and that's just how it's mostly been. So it was a bit of a surprise that it was you, but it was never supposed to be somebody else's. If it was supposed to be for Adam, he would have been born with it. He just opens and closes his mouth a couple times, like he's about to reply, but each time he closes his mouth again, kind of just grits his teeth a little bit until finally he sucks in his bottom lip and then just like stares down at the ground. Did she say anything about that stuff though? Did she did she say that? Can't exactly ask her myself. It would be great if she was here. She she talked about having heightened senses senses, being able to hear stuff far away, being able to like pick out specific sounds in a loud room, being able to smell things clear more clearly or st more strongly, maybe is the word. I don't think she ever talked about seeing things though. Are you seeing things? Not like not like that. Not like like seeing actually maybe a little like that. No, it's not it's not like I'm I'm not I'm sane and stuff. I don't... When when I saw whatever it was with Adam, I closed my eyes and I tried to smell and hear and do all those other things that I've been doing lately that I get, like, extra from, more from, I don't know. But that time, whenever I did it in that room with Adam, when he was starting to, like, get really weird and, like, he didn't want to leave and he just wanted to touch the goo, it was like I saw him standing there and it was like there was something else that was there too and it was he gestures down to the ground this stuff except it was like it was a thing it wasn't just goo it wasn't just this it don't look at me like that it, it said something to me it said that it was excited to meet me and, and that's that's when i kind of um when, when I sort of, uh, he tries to, like, gesture his hand up and down to himself again, and then shakes his head and crosses his arms over his chest again. When I, when I changed for the first time, I just kind of overwhelmed me, and I, I don't remember much. I'm sorry that first time you became the wolf, it was, it wasn't in a good place. Would have been nice to have kind of, like, celebrated it. It's what we did with Sarah. It's kind of like a second birthday, almost. I guess we could still, like, do that. We, we, we don't 
have to. It's not... Adam would make a thing about it. It would just be a family thing. It would just be us. New friends if you wanted. Well, I mean Sawyer if you wanted. I don't know. It's kind of embarrassing. I, I mean, they saw me for the first time like that too. And I don't think it was good. I don't think they should see that again. Okay. But like, maybe if it was just you and mom, we, we could go get like those little pastry tarts from Ramones. Maybe we could like kind of... Yeah, kiddo. And he kind of like puts his arm over your shoulders and his like hand up at the top of your head and ruffles your hair, which is a little bit weird because you are kind of taller than him. You definitely got your height from your mom. And it's also a little bit weird because your dad isn't the most showing of affection man you've ever met. But he does that and he ruffles your hair and he says, yeah, kiddo, I think we can do that. I pretend like I hate it. <laughs> Stuff about your brother, though. He looks at his watch on his wrist. Ah, uh, yeah. All right. Um, let's head back to the house. Maybe wake him up and talk this out more because you shouldn't be the one dealing with this, at least alone. Wait, when? I'm gonna take a step forward, like look down at the ground again. The stuff that you do, I mean, Adam can do it too, right? Maybe he just, I'm gonna kneel down a little bit, did it too much, and that's how it got him. Would prefer if you step back a little bit, because if touching it is what allowed it to get into him, I don't want the same thing to happen to you. Maybe it would be different because of the- Caleb, don't touch it. Okay, stand back upright. Let's go back to the house, see if your mom's up already, see if we can get to the bottom of this somehow. Does he have to know that I told you? Can you say you saw something instead? He's like super on drugs. He could get sloppy. You could just say that y you saw something. We have been uh, working on some sort of interventions I don't think work, but some sort of thing like that to curb whatever this is because we did know about the drug thing. But if that problem is stemming from something greater than himself. I think that we should just all try to help him, yeah? Doesn't want my help. Caleb. I look at him. I know you two haven't been getting along, and I'm not gonna make you get along with him. You're very different people. But you used to have something that brought you together, and I'm hard-pressed to believe that that's completely lost. So maybe just showing a little bit of compassion. Someday, maybe he'll show it in return. Someday. Do you want to drive the golf cart back? Yeah. And he climbs in the passenger seat. I try not to look too excited jumping into the driving seat. You drive back to the house, I think, with minimal problems. <laughs> There's a moment where your dad's like, all right, maybe like not this fast over a hill, okay? And you make it back to the garage park, go inside. Your mom is up and in the kitchen and your dad walks in and stops you from walking in behind him and points to the side to make you take off your boots. And then he goes in and he says, Sharon, do you have a minute before you leave for work? I think we gotta talk to the boys. And she looks up from where she's packing her purse, looks at the clock on the stove, and can read from whatever look is on your dad's face that this is a little bit important. And so you all, like as this trio, climb up the stairs, go into Adam's room. He is conked out on the bed, drool, completely like just mouth open drooling. But there's also like sweat on the sheets around him and his skin is shiny with it your parents wake up adam and he like gasps sits up with a start panting eyes wild and he's like what what's that what's going on and your mom's like Cal calm down sorry i didn't mean to scare you awake we just want to talk and she reaches over and she flips on his bedside lamp and says your dad said something important we needed to talk about and I wanted to be here before I left for work. And he looks up at your dad, looks kind of around your dad where you're standing and says, Caleb, I swear to fuck
fucking god that you didn't say anything. I am stepping behind my father and squatting down a little bit. Caleb, are you fucking serious? Are you kidding me? I am looking at a poster on the wall in his room, and then to another one, and then to a third, and then down at the floor where I see a weird-looking crumpled sock. I make a really funny-looking face, and I go back to the poster on the wall. Your dad says, hey, hey, Adam, settle down, okay? We were gonna have to have a talk sooner than later anyway about another issue. And he opens the drawer of Adam's desk, and there's a bag with purple skull pills. And Adam's face changes so swiftly from anger to desperation. He's like, no, no, please, no, you can't take those. You can't take those. And your mom says, Adam, what is going on with you? And your dad says, Caleb said that you touched whatever that black sludge is that we found in the marshes. That it's inside of you. I don't really understand how that is possible. And Adam says, I... I don't, I don't, I don't know how it happened. Like, we were just out there one day and we were looking at the stuff and I touched it and I, I thought like I just like fainted or something. It just felt like I blacked out for a minute and then I was awake again and I didn't know anything was wrong until later. And then you can't take those things though because those are the only things that make it stop. It's the only thing that makes it go away and you can't take them. And your mom says... Adam makes what go away? What are you talking about? And Adam goes, like, hands up by his head, just pointing at his skull. Fucking thing in there that talks to me all the time, okay? It just doesn't fucking go away. It's there all the time, and it's just saying shit. I can't get it out of my fucking head. I can't fucking believe that you told them, Caleb. Come on! I am doing anything to not look at him. Your dad says, what, what is this... What is this thing that you're talking about? I don't know, okay? I don't know what the thing is. I just know that I was like really fucked up about the whole not being the wolf thing. And I didn't know what to fucking do with myself because you guys had taught me my whole fucking life that that's what I was meant to do and meant to be. And then I'm not it. And then like, what do I fucking have left now? When this thing, I didn't even look for this thing. It just fucking happened. He stops and he thinks and he goes, wait a second though, that doesn't make any fucking sense pulls open the drawer in the bedside table and Caleb he watches he pulls out this palm-sized coin that you've seen once before because the sludge but I did the and your dad goes Adam what the hell is that I just found it in the woods and I thought it was weird and then it's got like this weird symbol on it that's like on that on the devil shrine so I thought that was weird but I don't really know what it was it came from the creek yeah that's what I found in the woods it was you never saw it you never I'm seeing it right now Caleb Adam do you remember when we were really really little do you remember when Ivy attacked you do you remember that yeah kind of a emblazoned memory in my brain you know it was over that that's what I found I didn't have this then. I didn't take it that day. When did you find it? I don't know, like right at the start of summer. It had the same voice back then too. I just didn't. I didn't remember it. I didn't. Wait, you've heard the thing? I look up to him now. This whole time, the only thing that made me look in his direction was staring at the coin. But now I'm looking at my brother. I take a minute. I swallow. Yeah. Okay. Well. If you've heard the thing too, I'm what I just got confused about though is the fact that this is I think I might have I didn't mean to, I didn't know what I was doing, but I brought something here, I allowed it in. But that's not necessarily related to the sludge, because that happened afterwards, but that fucked me up even more. The coin's been here though. And it sounded the same back then too. I just didn't I thought I, I thought I kinda made it up. I thought I made a lot of things up when we were younger. Wait a second. Did, did I not do this then? Did this happen that day at the creek? 
I shake my head. Whenever I found it, it, it talked, but then everything else happened and Ivy and, and I dropped it and- <laughs> So, <laughs> so I didn't like massively fuck up. I'm about to like shake my head no to try and reassure him. And then I kind of like stop myself, roll my eyes a little bit. Not this time. I guess it was a pretty big fuck up to make a deal with some weird- entity that shouldn't be able to exist so that's a pretty big fuck up but i didn't do it like i didn't bring you it made here. a deal with it adam yeah, was that not like clear and your mother's like you made a deal with something that you adam what the hell have where does your brain go what is this thing you what deal did you make well i like didn't know what i was supposed to do after the whole wolf thing happened and so i was just kind of lost and i don't know it was just I didn't really ask for anything that's not true. Um, I don't know. It didn't really seem like I was making a deal. It was just like this thing had a way to like make me feel like I had a sense of purpose again. And then it was less of like, um, oh no, I don't know how it works. It just whispers sh shit in my head all day long and I can't get away from it. And it kind of makes me do shit that I know that I don't really want to do. I guess... I don't know. His shoulders kind of droop in his bed and he looks at you and he looks at your parents and he goes, I guess I'm just like pretty fucked up and I don't really have a lot of energy to deal with it anymore. So have at it guys because uh, doesn't seem like anybody's throwing out answers right now. So should I get ready for school or does this kind of get me out of a day? I'll be feeling, you know, a kid possessed by some demonic evil doesn't have to go to high school, right? Get over yourself. What the hell? What, that's it? You get knocked down once and you give up? You get knocked down once? I'm gonna step into the room, like, fully now, and start to get closer to him. My fists are balled at my side, and there's, like, this energy that is suddenly overtaking me that I definitely didn't have coming to, into the situation. But there is still something, like, very, 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 very deep in my body that thinks that my brother is all that he acts himself up to be. That he is this unstoppable force. And it pisses me off when this version of Adam is putting himself down in a way that I just, I can't explain it. I hold up one of my hands to him, point my finger out, and start jabbing it in the air. You're Adam Moore. You're the golden boy of this family. Everything has always been set out for you, but you didn't take it. It wasn't enough for you. You always wanted more than that. Where did he go, Adam? Look, I get that this... And I gesture to myself frantically. I look at my parents. They were supposed to be... I look at my dad. That we thought it was yours. And I'm just kind of making this up as I go because I thought it was yours too. But if you give up now, before I have a chance to figure out what the hell is going on, no. No, that's not gonna happen. We don't know what's happening. We don't know what's going on. No one knows what's going on. No one knows where Sarah is or where the sludge came from or what's wrong with that coin thing and why it talks. But if we give up now, what's the point? What's all this anything that we've been working toward? I know you don't care about this. You can't find the energy to care about this. Can you fake it for a little bit? I can't find the energy to care about this, Caleb, because I've been fighting it nonstop for like three months. Three months? Three months of fighting it? Of fighting this goo? Is that it? Or just fighting how depressed you've been? Because I've been fighting a creature inside me, and it sucks. Okay, it sucks, dude. This is awful. I feel like it's tearing my insides out every day. I feel like 
I feel like I'm gonna lose my mind or at least get a migraine from how much everything is. The smells, the sounds, the all of it. I know it's a gift and I know that you wanted it really bad, but it's not exactly rainbows and puppies and kittens over here. Adam climbs out of his bed and he's standing up and he goes, why the fuck are you fighting it, bro? Just let it happen, be it. Why are you so fucking scared of it? It is you, right? That's the whole point of this, is that you are you and you are the wolf and they're one and the same thing. So be it, because while I don't have the energy to fight this thing anymore, you've never had the balls to fucking be what you're supposed to be. I'm gonna grab onto his shirt and pull him closer to me, bare my teeth like right up against his sternum. It's because I don't have my brother here to fight with me. He's always been here, Adam. He makes it so that I can get through things like this, and he's not here anymore, because I can't do this alone. His face is, like, twitching. Like, the expressions look like they're stuck between two different things, and you see, like, a shadow pass across one of his eyes, and he kind of blinks and shakes his head, and he's like, that's because whenever I'm around you, this thing gets louder. With my hands in his collar, I'm going to shake him once twice and say, well then tell it to get out! And I'm the third one, I am going to headbutt him. Cool, 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 cool. So roll for lash out physically. I think I have a plus two, I rolled a ten. So, Adam is taking one point of damage as that crack sounds. Your dad has grabbed you by the shoulder and pulled you back and your mother like has wrapped her arms around your brother's chest but it doesn't really help the situation because the eyes completely cloud over with the dark inkiness and his mouth starts to curve up with a smile and there's a chuckle that is that like the voice from the heart when it was Adam but it wasn't Adam and he goes <laughs> I like seeing your true colors. You know what your brother thinks? He wants what you say to be true, but we all know that it's not because you've always wanted to be the center of attention and you're too afraid now that you could be to take it. I told you once before, I can help you. Potential, all of that. I don't think you need to hear it again. This whole time, I'm taking in these big heaving breaths that almost sound like snarling and my teeth have elongated, my pupils have narrowed into those little like pinpoint flex and there's this cracking of bone and like lingering scent of smoke that is starting to billow off of the sides of my face and I am trying so hard to keep it in that I'm piercing my nails that have also elongated into like sharp points at this point into the meat of my uh, hands on an exhale, let out this really low, like, rumble of a noise that kind of, like, reverberates inside of my chest. It sounds like thunder crackling somewhere in the distance in a really large open field. And I told you that I was going to get you out of my brother. Did you forget that? I can tell you again. I think one day you'll come around. And your brother kind of slumps in your mom's arms and looks up. And it's him again. The deal is you. This thing just wanted you. And I was the next bet. And I was weak. So I let it in. So you can have it, but you have to let it in. Your mom is like pulling Adam back, sitting him on his bed. And she stands between you. Her hands kind of out as if you were going to physically fight one another again. 
there is obviously something, another consequence of the barrier being broken. I suspect there are things that we don't know about. No one is doing anything drastic. Caleb, get that look off of your face. No, we're not doing that. Your dad says, there's not really any possibility of me staying calm in this situation because that was absolutely terrifying. And, uh... I now understand by what you meant about it being in him. Caleb, Adam, why didn't you tell us this before? What what would have been a good way to do that? I guess, you know, just... By the way, got sad one night. Made a deal with something that I know nothing about. Yeah, I think it might have been better than just being possessed for three months. Okay, everybody, settle down. Okay, we will get to the bottom of this. We will ask questions. We will make amends with people that I thought we would never talk to ever again. And we will find answers. I think that the first person we should contact is Wyatt and the Guardians. Because even if they don't know what it is, they might know more about why it is. Caleb groans so fucking loud. At this point, like, as this conversation has been progressing, the bones have snapped back into place, I think is the best way to describe whatever it is that Caleb does. And the smoke is gone, the smell is gone, his teeth have returned to normal, his eyes have returned to normal, his nails have, everything has just- it's like it- the fight got sucked out of him when the creature dissipated from Adam. And then your mom looks past you to your dad and says, Daniel, I love you, but why in high heaven did I ever agree to marry into this family? It is an evening after a school day. You are at home in your room, maybe working on homework, maybe procrastinating homework, when you hear your mom call, Sawyer, can you come here please? Yeah, I'll rush downstairs. They're both standing, your mommy and your dad, at the bottom of the staircase, ready for you to appear. Uh, hi? Yeah, uh, hey pal, um, we've got something else we need to show you. Uh, okay. You guys are acting really weird, like formal weird. Uh, well, it's not, it's not formal, um, but it is like a big deal, and it's kind of like the last time your dad had to show you something like a long time ago. There's something else that we sh need to disclose to you. Okay. Your dad kind of beckons you down the stairs. What do we have, like a nuclear bomb for Wildmore? I mean... What? No, not like physically nuclear bomb, but like I think metaphorically it could possibly have the same negative effects. Okay. Listen, pal, I think after everything that happened over the weekend, this is something that we finally feel better trusting you with. Because you proved yourself to be for this family, and that you were ready to act if needed, and that takes a lot of guts. And we appreciate it. And so I think it's about time that you know everything. I kind of thought I knew a bunch. Does this have to do with, like, Wyatt? Like, that everything? Like, everything be like everything about everything? Or everything about... In a sense, yes. But the more... The, the bigger issue right now is specifically um, Ryan Bishop. As your dad leads you into the back office. Your mom joins you, though, this time. It's been many years, but you have never asked your mom about learning anything, even though it was something that your dad had almost urged you to do. And she hasn't pushed, hasn't even said a thing to you about it. Your dad has always been solution-oriented. 
while your mother has always been a little bit more understanding. And so while your dad probably would have dragged you downstairs to help, your mother never asked that of you, wanted that of you. You have seen her throughout the past few years disappear into the back room for hours. She's never told you what she was doing, you never asked, but you know that what your dad told you about her spending a lot of time down there was true. It was just not something that she was trying to push you into as much as he was. But he opens the secret staircase and you single file your way down through the door into the greenhouse. And he leads you through all the plants into the back where there's another door that the first time you were down there he did not mention, didn't really discuss, didn't lead you through. This one has an actual key that he slips into a lock and twists to open. What, no, uh, no handprints, no, no eye scanning? Uh, William chuckles a bit and he's like, it's, it's all a bit much, but there has been an, a feeling of the need to update in the last few years. But if you can eye scan to get down here, then you probably have a key and that's how it's going to be. Okay. All right, let's go. So you keys open the lock and all that's in this room that you all, the three of you walk into is it's small. Uh, there's a desk, a couple chairs and a few file cabinet cabinets and that is it and they don't bother to shut the door behind you there's not going to be anybody else down here i was expecting a lot more yeah i guess just a lot more i mean sawyer did you think that we were going to have like those x-ray lines that you had to like jump over or whatever i mean sort of i was expecting like an empty room except for one pedestal with a red button on it i don't think digitizing these files is a good way to go about things i i don't want a red button room that's scary. Let's stick with the cabinets. He says, We have been keeping tabs on the Moors and the Duncans from the beginning. This is not something that just you and your mother I've, and I have been doing. This has been something that has been done by the family, the Hook family, for generations, for as long as this place has began. I can't imagine that they aren't doing the same to us, to be perfectly honest. But there have been some threads in the history of this town that have been irking us for some time. One in particular that I think this past weekend shed some light on. He pulls out another key and puts it into the lock on the cabinet drawer to unlock it. And as he's doing so, your mother says, We don't think that Ryan Bishop is the first fatality, the first consequence of vampires living in Wildmore. And William sets one of the folders down on the table. It's not thick in, in any way at all. It's almost humorously thin. But he kind of presses it towards you. I'll pull it in. Is there a like a, a name system or naming system on it? Maybe there was in the cabinet. It's just like a manila folder and none of it. There's no writing on any of it. I'll flip it open. It's news clippings. And as you kind of look through it, it's... Not just any news clippings, but a few about several different individuals. And as you kind of look at headlines, scan the pages, individuals who have been found dead, individuals who have been left unclaimed, individuals that no one seemed to know the story of, but may have just been passing through the town. Okay, um, so do you, what's your, like, plan with all this. We think that 
Ryan Bishop can be added to this file because we think the same thing happened to him that happened to these other people. And as you're looking through it, you see it's not a lot of people and it's spread over many years. The first picture that comes up in this file is unrecognizable to you. The, the, the date on it is about 20 years ago, but there's nothing outstanding about it. It's nothing you've ever heard of before. The one before that, a few news clippings in, is a different picture. This one is almost about 20 years prior to the previous one. It, there is a picture of this person. Looks to be a young girl. It's a blurry photo. I think it was a photo that they tried not to necessarily promote because it was a little bit damaged. But this was before newspapers stopped literally showing photos of dead bodies. So this is obviously um, a person who has perished. But there's a white t-shirt, leather jacket. There looks to be uh, headphones beside this individual. Short hair. The date on this is about early 80s. The one previous to this is even about 20 years prior. It's a young boy, like maybe eight years old. Almost looks like he's dressed up like a newsie. Got the hat, the suspenders, and the breeches. And then there seems to be an individual every or so 20 years that has died. It has been a vagrant, has been a vagabond, has been just somebody passing through that no one has any connection to. And the case was never necessarily closed on what happened to these people. These clippings were handed down to me and were handed down to my father and his mother because there is something here that is relevant that we just can't prove yet. But Ryan Bishop, he lived here. He was a citizen of Wildmore. He had family here. He was established here. But he's the only one out of all of these people with that type of life. And so we think that he died under the same circumstances that the rest of these individuals died under. Brutally, out of nowhere, without any recompense for such actions. So you're telling me that Wildmore has a serial killer? I'm telling you that we believe Wildmore, one of the founders, is someone who has a history of murder on their plate. And I'm telling you this, and we want you to know this, because we think that Bass Duncan killed Ryan Bishop, which means we think that he also killed the people in this file. And I understand that this isn't a lot of people over the time that this place has been established, but I don't really think that matters. And we were hesitant to let you know of this because of your friendship with Caleb and with Ivy. And we're not saying you aren't, you don't still have that. We aren't saying that we are trying to impose on you stipulations to those relationships. And your mother kind of cuts in and she goes, we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't want to stop you having friendships and, and, and relationships with people that you want to have, but we just think that you should know all the information now because you've proven yourself open to such information. So it's important that you know the things that we know. And it's important that you make decisions knowing everything that we know. Can you guys tell me like one thing truthfully? Do you hate the Duncans? Your mom has a quizzical look on her face and your dad almost says something immediately. 
And it's like he steals himself. It's like he's checking himself before he speaks. And your mom starts before he does and she says, Sir, if we told you that our family had nothing bad in our past, we would be lying. We aren't trying to act like the history of the Hooks has been perfect, but the history of the Hooks has always been about self-preservation, not about aggression or the first to instigate anything. We've always been about just protecting our family. And neither the Duncans nor the Moors have ever had the same instinct. And so while I don't, I, I, I've spent time with these people. I, I've, I've had drinks with these people. We have, we have spent holidays together. They're not strangers to me, but sometimes the things that they do and the choices that they make are strange. And your dad says, I don't fear the Duncans and I think the way you're asking me. I fear them because I think that they are above the law at this point. You guys sound like politicians. I also, I wasn't talking about if you were afraid of them. I was talking about if you hated them. I don't think that Bast, I don't know. I don't know if he would do this, but I, do you guys, what do you, what, like, what's your proof? Why, outside of you just have a general distaste? Your dad kind of crosses his arms over his chest and he says, I've never considered a hatred for somebody. I've just gone along with how I feel about them in the moment. But if you're asking if I hate them, if that's the answer you need, then maybe I do. But that also means that I hate the Moors for the same reason. And he goes into another cabinet that he unlocks with a key. And he pulls out another file folder that is a little bit thicker. But this one isn't full of newspaper clippings. This one is full of more of what looks like financial records that are almost incomprehensible to you. And he says, we created Wildmore as a group of three families. But the distrust that we have found ourselves in the last few weeks isn't new. It's the same distrust that Bast and Gabriel had for our ancestors, for the Moors' ancestors, and they in kind. There has been a running line of distrust in this town between its founders since the beginning. And it's almost impossible to shake because it keeps on turning itself up as true. We don't know exactly what happened with Sarah Moore. And I wish I knew more, but I don't because that is actually more concerning almost than whether Bass is going around killing innocent children. But if we knew exactly what was going on with the Moore family, we would be able to stop what was happening in Wildmore right now. That's what's just out of reach. And your mom chimes in and says, I, I was pretty good friends with Sarah Moore for a while, actually. And then there was a time where it, it felt like she had changed, become somebody different. And after that, she was almost gone immediately and we never saw her again. And she became closed off. And then all of a sudden she left the town. I'm not trying to sound like a politician, Sawyer. I'm trying to sound like your mother who is concerned for you and is just trying to let you know all the information that you need to know to be friends with the people that you're friends with. That's all. None of us, I don't think me or your father are trying to tell you not to be friends with them. We just finally feel like you're ready to be fully informed to make your own decisions. And maybe, maybe we won't agree with them, but you're still our son. So we will do our best to help you through what those decisions are. I look at my dad when she says that. I think it's clear to you that your dad doesn't feel the same way, but is not about 
to voice that opinion because he knows that that opinion would piss off your mother, would ostracize you, and also, like, in the long run, isn't how to fix this situation. But if he could tell you what he was thinking, it would not be that. So I can now finally make my own decisions, even if you don't agree. As long as it doesn't involve your really bad drug issue that we've been dealing with. That's that's non-negotiable. But we're not going to tell you to not be friends with the people that you've been friends with your entire life. Because if that was the case, we wouldn't have let you have been friends with them in the first place. Can I, like, look through these? Yeah, you have full availability to this now. I promise. I'm so sorry. I should not have shown you this when you were eight years old, let alone... I'm sorry. We put so much on you when you were so young without any... Can you... Could, could you, like, maybe go upstairs? He takes a deep breath. He looks at your mom. And she almost imperceptibly nods at him to listen to you. Sorry, I'm not trying to be, like... not trying to be, like, mean. And he says, yeah, but, uh, yeah. And he leaves the room, but your mom does not. Are you... not going? Oh, um... I was going to stay down here and do some work. Okay. She kind of comes close to you and says, Sawyer, I don't expect you to understand where me or your father were coming from in all of this, but there was never going to be the perfect time to tell you any of this because it's almost impossible to take in and we didn't want to force any of that on you before you could take it. And I just want you to know that I think that learning about what we had down here to begin with at the age that your father deemed necessary was wrong. And it's not that I'm trying to keep things from you for longer than you deserved. It is that I don't think that you at eight years old could fully comprehend that. So I'm sorry. And she kind of pulls your head in and kisses you on the forehead and says, if you need anything, I'll be outside. You know, um, Ivy and Caleb have to deal with what they are and I got to deal with this. So at least I don't feel left out of the Drama? Anyways, I, I'm gonna look at some stuff. She smiles really sadly, but there's nothing else that she's gonna be able to say that's gonna fix that or change that. So she nods at you and shuts the door as she leaves. As soon as the door shut, I'm sliding the manila uh, envelopes aside. I'm going to ravage all of these, looking for any indications of that black sludge. It takes you a little bit of time, but there are some, the, the financial records that your dad put out about the Moore family doesn't lead you astray necessarily. It just kind of leads you in a weird path to finding out some other things. And nothing necessarily matches a perfect description of the black sludge, but you see a moment in time and probably you find something from like the 1960s about how the Wildmore public pool was closed because of some sort of contamination. It's since reopened because it is open now in present day, but it was closed for a little bit of time. The year that that information is from is directly coinciding with a year of one of the bodies that was found without any solution to. Notes written in a, a old journal that don't belong to your dad's handwriting, your mom's handwriting, or any such of the sort, but that are handwritten, and it's talking about how there's some sort of belief that somebody might have brought something from the old continent to the new continent, but no one knows what it is. They just feel its presence. And it's kind of written in a, in a 
vague way because there's a fear of somebody finding these and reading these. Did the murder photo of that year, was the location at the public pool or nearby it? Uh, it, was, it wasn't at the pool itself, but it was nearby. Um, I will say the... There was also an indication of the same sort of situation about the drinking water at the mine, the quarry, that became undrinkable for people. And that also coincides with the image of the girl with the short hair and the leather jacket. But the rest of them don't match up as perfectly as those two instances. But it's not out of the realm of possibility that they could be connected. And... There is a trend amongst the more financial records that have downturns during the time that these incidents happen as well. Your family actually seems to be the only people not affected, at least financially or physically, by what is going on here. At least after what your dad told you about the suspicions about the Duncans. Because they also aren't mentioned at any point in any of these things. I'll put everything away. And I'll walk outside. Your mother is dressed in a a white lab coat. And she is standing in front of a table that has some beakers and the like on it. And as you walk out of the door, she looks up at you and stares at you for a moment. Just like trying to take in your general feelings about it. But I'm not sure she can really read anything. And instead she says, "Um, I'm going to stay down here for a bit, do some work. You are welcome to join me if you'd like. Do I get my own set of keys? I will talk to your father about that because you should. I think I should as well. Last thing, Mom. Yeah? You don't know where Sarah went to, do you? I don't. I promise you that I don't. Because if I did, I would like to know. I've been worried about her for a while. Because if I'm being perfectly honest, I didn't think that she just stopped answering our texts and our calls. When she didn't answer, I thought something bad had happened. And so I think that she left this place for a reason. And I think after she left, something bad happened to her. I would say something to you that your father will not say to you. Caleb and Ivy should be your best friends. They should be the people that you are closest with. And I don't mean that in a way that means that you should use them. I don't. I mean that they are the only people in this town, with along with you, that might be able to save it. And that's terrible because you are all so young. But I think that we are all fe- past the point of being able to reconcile our own beliefs with one another. Sora's like walking almost like past her and towards the stairs. Mom, I think my generation has sort of come to terms with the fact that we're going to spend our lives making up for all of your guys' fuck-ups. In the moment, in the split second before you turn around, she looks down at the table, and you know that she's crying. Listen, and I'll step towards her. I don't blame you. I don't know if that helps. I, uh, we, we have, like, a weird relationship. And I don't mean that bad. Like, we have a weird relationship because, because I'm, like, in high school. And because you're, like, a mom that actually cares about their kids. So, you're a cool, like because of that, but... (sighs) Sawyer, I never expected you not to hate me when you were in high school. I hated my parents when I was in high school. I am upset at myself, not at you. I am upset at the way this entire thing turned out because I listened to somebody when I didn't believe them. Your dad had ideas 
for how this was all gonna go, how you were gonna become. And I knew when you were so little that you were never gonna become the things he wanted you to be. And it's not that he is upset about that, it's just that he never learned to grow from that. Cause your dad loves you, he just doesn't understand that you're not what he expected you to be. He still has that image in his mind. And because of that, all of this has been tossed on you and it should not be like that, it shouldn't. You know, mom, I, I don't wanna make you more upset, but there's gonna be a day where, I, where I'm done, and did you know I have dreams sometimes where I'm just punching dad in the face? I'm gonna go. And as the door shutting behind you, you just hear, I still love you, and the door shuts. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to support our show, you can become a patron at patreon.com queerpg. Becoming a patron allows you access to our exclusive after show, where the cast talks about character insights and their own reactions to the episode, as well as a plethora of other perks. If you like the show, remember to rate and review. And to keep up with QueerPG, make sure you're following us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at QueerPGPod, and on Tumblr at tumblr.com slash queer PG. Until next time.